coming up on today's Locked On Dodgers, a series loss against the Guardians. We'll get into that, but most importantly, a loss of Mookie Betts for at least a couple weeks. And what are they going to do in the outfield? We'll talk about that. We'll talk about Andrew Heaney's return. And unfortunately, talk about Craig Kimbrell, not in a positive sense. So that's what's on tap. So make sure to keep it Locked On Dodgers. You are Locked On Dodgers, your daily Los Angeles Dodgers podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Yo, 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 Dodger fans, welcome to Locked On Dodgers. We are part of the Locked On Podcast Network, the number one local sports daily podcast network. Locked On, your team every day. Today's episode is brought to you by Bet Online. Bet Online has you covered this season with more props, more odds, and more lines than ever before. Bet Online, where the game starts. Thank you for joining us here at Locked On Dodgers. You can find us wherever you find podcasts and on YouTube simply by searching for Locked On Dodgers. Make it easy on yourself and better for us by subscribing in all those places so you'll never miss a day because you know we're not going to. If this is your first time listening or watching, I'm Ben Samperio. This is my co-host, Jeff Snyder, and we are both lifelong Dodger fans, uh, but we both spent some time covering the team in different capacities uh, in the locker room, in the press box, and writing about them. Uh, but we're here joined, or we're here together talking about the Dodgers every single weekday morning, and that's what we're here to do today, Jeff. So let's talk Dodgers series loss against the Guardians. Um, nope, not great offense. Did put up seven runs on Saturday, but uh, still struggled to hit where runners in scoring position throughout the whole weekend. The Dodgers, yeah, lost two out of three, but I think the biggest loss of the weekend comes in the form of Mookie Betts, who was found to have a cracked rib and will be out at least two weeks. Put in, uh, They put him on the IL. Uh, he said it hopefully would take him just two weeks to get back, but uh, remains to be seen. But either way, this leaves a big hole, not only in the Dodgers lineup, uh, but also in the outfield. Yeah, and we saw that that hole in the outfield come into play on Sunday's game. Eddie Alvarez got thrown out there a couple times this weekend, and uh, it didn't work out so well on Sunday. The sun was bad, uh, but uh, you have to think that a more experienced right fielder probably makes you know, definitely the play that Alvarez got an error on and probably the the double in the ninth inning. And like or you think about that ninth inning, you know, Kimbrell came very close to getting a strikeout looking on the full count pitch for the second out. And then the next guy hits that blooper. The, you know, it, it was like very close to one, two, three inning and said it was a ridiculous two run inning for the guardians that the wheels just came off. And, you know, uh, I, I, I don't know what the answer is, but I think we probably all agree. It's probably not Eddie Alvarez. I, I, I think I'm maybe a little bit more charitable towards him than some people I, I've been seeing, like, you know, He's very athletic, obviously, and I, I think he probably would get better out there. But the Dodgers aren't really a team that's in a position of putting a guy out there to learn how to play right field, you know? Yeah, exactly. Especially, you know, they're not by any means ahead. Uh, you know, they're not only losing ground or not losing ground, but not only, you know, not gaining ground like they could have been this weekend in the NL West, but just in general, you know, the Braves hot streak has them near the Dodgers in terms of winning percentage. And, you know, you start thinking about seeding as the season goes on and still a long time left, you know, still 90 some games left, but now you got two weeks and currently the Dodgers have two 
designated outfielders on the roster, and one of those being Chris Taylor, who is also an infielder. So technically, you know, and I guess Cody Bellinger is also an infielder. He's, he can play first base. So, uh, but either way, two designated outfielders on the roster right now. You got Gavin Lux, who can play outfield, Zach McKinstry, who can play outfield, and Eddie Alvarez, uh, I guess, who can play outfield technically, but maybe not as great as a B. Um, so now it looks like they need an outfielder to come up. And with no news regarding the date being pushed back, it looks like that the Dodgers will have to drop a pitcher, go down to 13 pitchers, which means another position player will have to come up. And I don't know, Jeff, you look at the 40-man roster, and the only other designated outfielder on the 40-man roster that's not hurt is James Outman, who's currently in double-A. I don't think we'll be seeing him. What are the options the Dodgers have? Who are we going to see that can come up and, and help out on a regular basis for the next two weeks and be able to play the outfield? Yeah, bottom line is there's not really any help on the 40 man roster. Um, and, eh, I'm going to, uh, I'll backtrack that in a second a little bit because there's one that uh, I'll throw out there as a, as an outlandish possibility, but a possibility, but realistically we're probably looking at somebody who's not on the 40 man roster, either somebody who's in the organization and just not on the 40 man or somebody out for, outside the organization, whether it's a trade or, you know, I've seen a lot of people talking about Lorenzo Kane, who the, the Brewers DFA'd, um, but I mean, the Brewers DFA'd him with his blessing because he's not very good anymore, and he uh, feels like he's coming to the end of his rope as a as a major league player. And so, I don't know if Kane would even be interested in coming. I think he could hold down right field, uh, but I don't think uh, he would answer many people's prayers as far as filling the hole that Mookie Betts leaves offensively. And so, what what we're looking at is really either Jake Lamb or Jason Martin, probably. Jake Lamb is not an outfielder. They have played him some in the outfield, but I, I don't think that's it. But, you know, if you if they called up Jake Lamb, who is tearing it up in AAA, and say, okay, JT, Justin Turner, you are everyday DH. It'd be funny to have Justin Turner be the designated hitter in the year that he doesn't know how to hit. But if he's going to play, you know, that that's, that's okay. Say, Turner is our designated hitter. Max Muncy is our everyday second baseman, Jake Lambs, our everyday third baseman, Gavin Lux is our everyday left fielder. And then, you know, whether it's Chris Taylor in center and Cody Billinger in right or flip-flop those, you know, that, that's a, a decent setup. And the one concern I would have about Jake Lamb is being an everyday player in his career. Uh, he has a 798 OPS against righties and a 595 OPS against lefties. But the one thing we know about Jake Lamb is that he did revamp his entire approach and swing and everything uh, coming into this season. And if you look at his minor league splits this year, he has a 921 OPS against righties and a 1237 OPS against lefties. Obviously not as many at-bats against lefties, only 39 plate appearances uh, compared to 216 against righties. But uh, three of his home runs have come. He has three homers and two doubles in those 39 plate appearances. He's batting 406, uh, taking a bunch of walks. Like It looks like there's at least a possibility that Jake Lamb has figured out how to hit lefties. And so he can hold down third base. And uh, you know that, that's not a terrible idea. They'd have to make a 40-man roster spot for any of these guys we're talking about. Uh, but whether it's putting Bueller on the 60-day IL or saying, David Price, thanks for the memories, you know, th th there's a 40-man roster spot to be had. And uh, I don't hate the Jake Lamb idea. 
Yeah, I mean, when you look at it, that that seems like logical. You know, Kevin Pillar was the first one of those two that we've talked about a lot heading into the season and during the season. Uh, but Pilar got hurt, and now they're down. I do think it was interesting, like you mentioned, how they would set up center and right field. Uh, Dave Roberts mentioned that he you know, didn't get Taylor out there because he's not as comfortable out there, which to me makes – it makes more sense to have Bellinger and Wright and, and Taylor in center if that was your concern or if that was a concern. Even if you lose half a step in center fielder in center with Chris Taylor, you still have above average center fielder, above average right fielder. Whereas if you have Cody in center and you know Taylor or someone else in right, now you're you're compromising right field a little bit. Now Taylor could handle it. He did make you know diving catch the other night, but playing in right field, he'd adjust probably better than anybody else. Uh, but I do think it's, you know, you got to solidify the outfield defense as much as possible just because they have so many infielders. Uh, you know, Lamb also makes sense in the sense of if they don't want to give them the everyday role, if they want to kind of mix and match, you know, you can make Muncie your everyday third baseman. You can maybe try Lamb in left field or, or you know, Lamb in left or at third, Muncie at second or at third, and then Hanser and Eddie Alvarez and whoever else, McKinstry rotating in and out as possible. Uh, but yeah, it's it's not great. It's not like oh my god, the Dodgers are, are you know in desperate need or in dire straits. But uh, it is one of those where you know the depth's getting tested here with Pilar already being out as the guy that was supposed to be the backup outfielder if somebody got hurt, and now Mookie being out for a couple weeks. Yeah, and then there's Jason Martin who uh, you know what? Maybe we should talk about Jason Martin in the next segment, huh? It's time for you to read an ad. It is time for me to read an ad, and I'm talking about Athletic Greens. Athletic Greens. This is one I can speak from personally because they are good. They are good uh, partners, and they sent us some Athletic Greens, and I actually still have some um, running out though. But it's a what is Athletic Greens? Well, it's something. It's a scoop. It's a scoop. Uh, it's called AG One, and it has seventy-five high-quality vitamins, minerals, whole foods, or superfoods, probiotics, adaptogens. Help start your day right. You throw it in a glass of water. You throw it in a protein shake. You throw it in a regular shake. You throw it in your coffee, I guess, if you really wanted to throw it in somewhere before you before you do anything else and get your day started right. What does it help with? It can help with a bunch of things, gut health, and your nervous system, your immune system, your energy, your recovery, your focus, and aging, which is all things people want to help out with. Uh, what is the importance of a multivitamin? Well, some people take multivitamins to get all these ingredients that your body can absorb and handle and, and help yourself get better. You don't need a bunch of multivitamins. You don't need to do all that kind of stuff. You just need to put one scoop of AG1 in whatever drink you're doing to start your day, and you'll be right for the rest of the day. And right now, to make it easy, Athletic Greens is giving you a free one-year supply of immune-supporting vitamin D and five free travel packs with your first purchase. All you got to do is go to athleticgreens.com slash MLB network. That's athleticgreens.com slash MLB network to take ownership over your health and pick up the ultimate daily nutritional insurance. All right, Jeff, back at it. And, yeah, you were talking about Jason Martin. Jason Martin is uh, more of a legitimate outfielder in in the sense of defensively. Uh, but, you know, main, he's you – know, oh, you'll talk about offensively, where can he fit in and how does he stand up. Yeah, like, like Jake Lamb, uh, Jason Martin hits left-handed. Uh, but also like Jake J- – their stats are – almost identical it's uncanny uh their 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 minor league stats this year uh 
Martin has a 959 OPS and Lamb has a 969 OPS. Uh, their batting average is almost identical. Lamb's on base percentage is a little bit better. Martin's slugging percentage is a little bit better. Uh, and even when you look at their splits against righties and lefties, even though they're both left, left-handed hitters, they're both in the 900s of OPS against righties. Uh, yeah, 926 and 921, almost identical. And then uh, Lamb, 1237 OPS against lefties. And Martin, 1126 against lefties. So who knows how real that is, but uh, you could definitely make almost the same exact case for Martin that you're making for Lamb, uh, except, you know, Martin actually plays outfield, so he he fits in more directly. Lamb is more of a veteran presence, and there's a little more evidence behind, because he actually did make a swing change, you, you might be more inclined to believe that his success against lefties is more real. But, I mean, you could flip a coin on those two, and the coin might land on its edge and say, hey, why don't you send one of the other guys down and call it both of these guys, you know? You're on mute. And it's a matter of also... You know, if Mookie does take just the two weeks, like you mentioned, comes back in two weeks, uh, I guess, you know, essentially an audition for Lamb if you do bring him up because, you know, they'd be able to do something with Eddie Alvarez or, or you know, Zach McKinstry if, if need be, if that was the case, if, you know, Lamb comes up and does really well. So it's also a matter of, you know, do you prioritize Lamb or Martin? Let's just say they do come up two weeks they don't quite impress you don't necessarily want to lose them you know which one i guess is you want to lose less might be the question uh between them two but i would imagine it's got to come down to them too or you know i guess lorenzo kane could be a call but it's also one where again we could be calling you just to come for two weeks and that's it and i don't think that's something he'd want to do at this point uh unless he's like okay maybe i go prove myself for two weeks and find my way on the roster for the rest of the way. But uh, I don't see that happening. Yeah, no, Kane seemed kind of resigned to his career coming to an end. He and the, the Brewers kind of worked it out. So they DFA'd him on the day he had 10 years of service. So he gets his full pension from the union and all that. So it uh, seems like he's pretty comfortable with his career coming to an end. And uh, yeah, the, those two guys, Martin and Lamb, you know, I, I'm inclined to go with Lamb, even though he doesn't, actually play the outfield i feel like they could move enough guys around uh but martin wouldn't shock me at all yeah let's move on i I guess i mean that wasn't entirely negative other than mookie being here but let's move on to some positive things uh from the weekend even though the dodgers lost on sunday there was a positive outing from a starting pitcher that starting pitcher being andrew heaney uh he did allow his first earned run and run of the season uh his era still sits at 0.59 though uh he went five plus innings seven strikeouts uh, Alvarez didn't help him out in the first inning for the unearned run. He gave up a solo home run uh, to start the sixth inning. But from what we've seen in the minors in his rehab assignment and from what we saw on Sunday, good stuff from Andrew Heaney and good to see, especially with the loss of Walker Buehler that we've talked about uh, endlessly the last week or so. Yeah, Heaney looked really good and uh, great to have him back and basically picked up and, you know, the Dodgers really starting pitching in the series against the Guardians was outstanding. All three starters looked great, and really it was not <laughs> doing their job somewhat, and the, the bullpen job somewhat, uh, and then obviously the right field situation. But I'm Andrew Heaney, the Dodgers five starter right now, Tyler Anderson's starter right now. 
and he he almost threw a no hitter last time. We spent a whole episode talking about him. It's uh, it's crazy how with losing Bueller and, and still having what they have at starting pitching. Yeah, and it's one of those things where, you know, the big talk as we get closer to the deadline here in the next six, seven weeks, however long it is, will be a starting pitcher for the Dodgers. But not necessarily for the regular season. It's going to be more for, you know, that October push that let's just say you're not going to have Bueller or you can't count on Bueller. You want to have, you know, a, a one or two up there to, to start, a, start a series or whatever the case is. That's what it is. But if they do, you know, go after a starter, yeah, it slots in. Uh, he has to slot in at one or two. They could still go in theory with the six-man rotation. Although six-man rotation, uh, you know, everything has to go right. But either way, regardless of all that, Andrew Heaney looked good. The rotation's full again. And, yeah, if the Dodgers can just get the offense going, uh, I think they'd be in a pretty good spot or better than they already are. Yeah, absolutely. And uh, yeah, I, I don't think it's, I still think a six man rotation is a good idea. If they were to add a starter at a guy who they're counting on for October and because everybody, you know, Julio had six, you know, had an extra day of rest this time, looked really good. You know, obviously Clayton Kershaw can use the extra day of rest. All these guys have different reasons why they could use an extra day of rest every time through the order. So uh, yeah, add a great pitcher and, and go to a six-man rotation. I have no issues with that. Yeah. All right, Jeff, uh, anything else from the pitching side or any other positive from the weekend? Uh, because if not, we're going to have to move on to a little bit of a negative. Yeah, you know, unfortunately, uh, I mean, we, we could spend a whole episode talking about how good all three starters were this weekend, but uh, that's what you do when the Dodgers win a series. And they lost this series. And so, yeah, we do got to talk about some of the negatives. Yeah, well, before we talk about a negative, let's talk about BetOnline. BetOnline.net is your number one source for all your betting needs and sports info. They have all the latest sports developments, league reviews, and news, including this year's NHL playoffs and Major League Baseball. BetOnline is your continued source for all your sports wagering information, including live betting, esports, and scores. Check out the podcast on there, too. You can find all the Lockdown podcasts there. On BetOnline.net, they are the fastest and easiest way to check in on all your favorite sports and events, including MMA, boxing, and golf. They got all the scores, all the podcasts, all the news. It's all right there. So head to BetOnline.net on your laptop or mobile device to learn all about the trends and learn all about the action. BetOnline, where the game starts. All right, Jeff. So, unfortunately, Craig Kimbrell uh, is turning into the Kinley well, he's worse than Kelly Jensen, uh, but he's now starting to get the Kelly Jensen treatment by the fans. And like I said, significantly worse than Jensen was last year. And basically someone we're going to have to talk to talk about every single outing until he either writes the ship or he pitches way off the roster. Maybe. Yeah. At this point, it's not Kelly Jensen. We're comparing him to it's Joe Kelly. It's a guy with really good stuff who, uh, is really, really struggling, and you can't count on for a clean inning. Now, the good news about that is Joe Kelly put together some really, really good stretches for the Dodgers uh, because that good stuff really is. And, and Kimbrell doesn't quite have the I have no idea where the ball's going element that, that Joe Kelly had, even though the end result is the same. Um, but, you know, Craig Kimbrell has great stuff, and I really, really do believe that that stuff is going to continue to play. Uh, you know, I saw, I think it was Plunkett had a, a headline that said, 
the Dodgers uh, replaced Kenley Jansen with a proven closer, uh, but instead they replaced him with the same thing, a, a closer who's not what he used to be or something. And Craig Kimbrell's stuff, it, it's not as good as it was when he was at his very peak, but it's still plenty good to be successful. And, and like I said, even this this outing on Sunday, it was very, very close to being strikeout, strikeout, fly out to end the game. Uh, or not end the game. It was still a tie game, but, uh, you know, sent it to the bottom of the ninth in a tie. And, you know, it wasn't. And then he didn't shut things down from there. But, you know, I, I don't think he's that far off. But right now, what what we need to see is him actually getting the job done. And that's not happening right now. It's not. And until it does, until we see that three or four or five times in a row, I think people are rightfully going to be really nervous every time he comes in and kind of hoping for, you know, what the Dodgers need. And this is another reason the offense needs to step up is Craig Kimbrell needs a lot of three, three run leads to protect for the next few weeks so that he can get whatever worked out. And even if he gives up a run or two here and there, he still gets his save, still gets his, his time in, but the offense need to, needs to give them some big leads and even, okay, Kimbrell today, you're pitching in a five run lead. But the key to that is for the offense to give us some of those leads. And the offense the last few weeks has not been giving very many uh, five-run leads. Where it compares to Jansen, at least right now, is the conversations around it in terms of, you know, Jansen, a lot of times last year we talked about these innings where, you know, it wasn't all his fault, you know, some bloopers, uh, maybe a misplay in air, whatever it was. Uh, but at the end of the day, we said, well, you know, we want results and, you know, the results aren't there. That's where Kimbrough's at. I mean, even the last week when he you know, was, the results weren't quite what we wanted, but the results of his pitches were like, we we're talking about how good the stuff looked. Uh, it just feels like the same conversation, but with the different, you know, same first letter of the name as well. Uh, but where it's different this, or, you know, where it's different, at least in, in the sense of this year, is I think the Dodgers, obviously not right now, but at some point, if this continued over another two months, I think they'd cut bait if need be. They don't have the loyalty to Kimbrough that they did to Jansen. He's on the last year of his contract. And you know, at that point, if everything goes right, they're getting Dustin May back and they're getting Danny Duffy back. So two arms that can pitch Dustin May, probably more so of a late inning guy, but Danny Duffy, a guy that can kind of bridge some gaps uh, in there as well. So, you know, I think it's a matter of that's where it's at. That's where it's different. But obviously on our end, you know, we see it. He's still throwing gas. He still has a, you know, a, a spike curve that that's pretty nasty. He just hasn't put it together yet. The Dodgers are going to give him the chance to put that together. Like I said, he's he's going to have a little bit longer leash than maybe fans would want him to have. Uh, but I do think the leash is one that can be cut. Where last year, even though we had talked about it, I didn't. I don't think they ever thought about you know cutting bait with Jones, and even be even in the last year of his contract. Yeah, and one guy you didn't mention who's coming back also is Blake Trinan. Hopefully, yeah. coming back in September. You know, if you have a bullpen that has. Yancey Almonte and Bruce Dargraderall and uh, Daniel Hudson and Blake Trinan and Dustin May. Uh, yeah, I mean, Kimbrell has to show that he belongs, especially, you know, uh, 
if they go to six-man rotation. I mean, you've almost filled that up, and we haven't even talked about Alex Vestia and Phil Bickford and some of these other guys, you know, Reyes Morata, guys who can definitely contribute to this bullpen. And so, uh, like you said, the loyalty thing isn't there, They, which is a good thing. They don't have to worry about hurting Kimbrell's feelings. They traded A.J. Pollock for Craig Kimbrell. You know, that, that hurt some people's feelings. Uh, for me, they they sold somewhat high on, on Pollock and was probably a, a good call. Uh, but, you know, Kimbrell needs to make this work. And, and another way that's similar to Kenley is Dave, Dave uh, Roberts' responses to the media, you know, asking questions about it. He basically just said, Kimbrell, Kimbrell's our closer, you know. And I think that's the right answer right now. I think, you know, the best version of this Dodgers bullpen probably has a dominant Craig Kimbrell at closer because then everybody else moves back in. And imagine in the postseason, if you do have a dominant Kimbrell and a healthy and dominant Trinan and Hudson and May and, and Gratterall and all these guys, it's like, okay, we only need our starters to go four innings, five innings, maybe, you know, and, and we can really get it done. And, and, and so that's the best version of this team. And yeah, it would be nice if the offense was making this easier because, you know, if the offense scores more runs this weekend, the Dodgers would have a two and a half game lead on the Padres right now and a little bit more breathing room. And, and as it is, they're only up by half a game. Uh, and, you know, I, I guess maybe we'll talk at the end about Manny Machado's injury. So maybe that gives them some hope. But bottom line is the offense needs to score so that Craig Kimbrell can be put in situations where he can figure crap out without. Uh, putting the Dodgers season at risk. Yeah. I mean, that's really what it comes down to. And it's like I said, exact same conversation, just different name. Uh, but in the end, the sentiment's a little different on, in terms of the Dodgers side. So we'll see what happens. We're rooting for, you know, we want Kimber to be good because like you said, it makes everybody else stay in a role where they can be dominant and the Dodgers can shorten games as, as much as they need to. Um, but yeah, I mean, we were going to talk about extra innings, but maybe let's save that for tomorrow when we have a, a full episode with no game. So, yeah, let's talk about Manny Machado. Uh, we'll talk about, I guess, the Padres. The Padres are, are right there behind the Dodgers. Giants are also right there. Uh, but Padres first last week or early this week, early this past week, uh, it was said that Fernando Tatis Jr. was going to miss more time than originally expected. That's not quite healing. His wrist isn't healing like they expected. So it's that. And then, then on Sunday, Manu Machado sprained his ankle. Uh, maybe we'll have to be out at least a couple weeks, maybe more, depending how that ankle heals and, and everything else. You know, sprained ankles are, are – you don't really know what it is. So, you know, unfortunately, you, it's not one of those where you're rooting for injuries or, or anything like that. But the injuries are there. And it's one of those where the Dodgers need to take advantage and, you know, the offense can get going, winning more games, uh, get out of this little funk they're in and, and really kind of try to take charge of the division. And also the other part of it is the Dodgers play the Padres at the end of the month in less than those two weeks that Machado would probably miss. So uh, at the very least, you got to win those games when they come to Los Angeles at the end of the month. Yeah, absolutely. And if you, you look at the Padres this year, I mean, offensively, they have some guys having solid years, but Manny Machado is head and shoulders above the rest of them. Like, you know, you look at OPS plus, they've got Luke Voigt's having a solid year, 128 OPS plus, Cronenworth 121, Profar 121, Hosmer 116, all that, that's gone way down the, the last month or so, month and a half. Uh, but Machado's at 174. Machado is 
essentially carrying this team offensively. And then, you know, and then the other thing carrying the team is their pitching has been really good. Not like Dodgers good, but their starting pitching has been solid. Uh, Joe Musgrove's been outstanding and several other guys have been solid. And then their bullpen has been pretty darn good. Uh, I, I will never understand how Nabil Krizmet ever gets an out in the major leagues, let alone has a 139 ERA through 32 innings in the big leagues. But I mean, he, he's been really good. They've got, you know, th- that's what's carrying them. But the loss of Manny Machado is really, really big for this team because especially with no Tatis, I mean, he drives that offense and uh, the Dodgers losing Mookie Betts for me isn't nearly as big a deal as the Padres losing Manny Machado because Betts has been probably the Dodgers' best hitter overall this year, but not in a way that, you know, that, that Machado has clearly been for the Padres. So it's, uh, you know, you, you obviously never celebrate anybody's injury. You uh, ideally, the Dodgers would beat every other team at full strength. All the teams would be at full strength and, you know, just go head to head like the Clash of the Titans. Um, but, you know, th- this is an opportunity that the Dodgers, since Machado is here, it's an opportunity the Dodgers really need to capitalize on. It would be a really good time for the Dodgers offense to wake up because you have to think that the Padres are going to slump at least a little bit at this point without Machado. And then, I mean, Machado going out, the Padres don't have a Trey Turner waiting in the wings like the Dodgers do, you know, Mookie Betts out. The other one is they don't have a Freddie Freeman right there waiting. And, and one quick positive is Freddie Freeman hit a home run. Uh, he hadn't hit one in a while, and hopefully that's you know we, we say this a lot with the hope, but hopefully that's something that gets him going offensively and can you know spark a little power surge and hot streak to propel the offense the next week or so. Uh, you just said Trey Turner's name, and it reminded me that I teased something earlier and I never got back to it. So okay. at the twenty nine forty five mark of this podcast, is really going to say one other option is a guy who's on the 40-man roster is Jacob Amaya, who recently got promoted to AAA and is destroying things at AAA. He's tearing it up. He's an elite defensive shortstop, and he's turned into a very good hitter. Guess what? Trey Turner has experience in the outfield too. And so that could be uh, one of those weird uh, realm of possibility kind of things of Jacob Amaya coming up to play shortstop for the Dodgers and Trey Turner going out to center field and bumping Bellinger over to right or something like that. Uh, you know, like, like I said, when I teased it 10 hours ago, it was uh, not the most likely scenario, but it, it's not totally crazy because he's already on the 40 man roster. Yeah. And, and that's where it would come out. We, I, ideally that's probably like a long-term bets injury plan, but with him already being on the 40 man, it makes sense in the short term uh, if you need it. And kind of a tryout for, hey, let's see, since uh, we don't technically have a shortstop under contract next year, except Gavin Lux. So uh, let's see what we got. Yeah, very possible. Yeah. All right, Jeff, uh, anything else before we head out? Oh, well, first time at the stadium this year. So, uh, yeah, as you, if you're watching. a loss, but yeah. Yeah. If you're watching, you can see my background. I am not in my office. I'm in my bedroom at my parents' house in Lake Elsinore. I'm here in California. I went to the game on Friday. It was a lot of fun to be back in the stadium, even though the game didn't go well. Uh, probably talk more about that on tomorrow's episode when we talk about the extra inning struggles. But Dodger Stadium, it's my favorite place in the world. Being there with my two sons and even having my brother there couldn't ruin it. You know, it was a lot of fun. Uh, Chris Taylor tossed the ball to my younger son or tossed it to a group of kids. And my, my son, because he's taller than all the other kids reached up and, and grabbed it. And, uh, 
was about to feel bad for the kid he reached over until he looked over and saw it was the kid who already had three baseballs from from the ball girls. So uh, I caught a Justin Turner home run in batting practice. Uh, I wish he would hit more of those in real games. And yeah, being back at the stadium, it felt like home. It it was weird. It, it, it didn't feel like it had been eight months once I was there. Uh, and I can't wait to get back again. Yeah, that's always great. All right, that's going to do it for today's episode. Thank you all for listening. Thank you for making Locked On Dodgers your first listen of the day every day. Go check out our Ultimate NBA Mock Draft on the Locked On Podcast Network. The first picks have already been made. Search now for the Ultimate NBA Mock Draft and get over 50 insiders. 50 insiders giving their picks. Odyssey sports experts, the draft experts of Locked On NBA Big Board. It's all there. Just search for Ultimate NBA Mock Draft and make it your second listen of the day. You can find us wherever you find podcasts and on YouTube uh, simply by searching for Locked On Dodgers. You can find us on social media, Twitter and Instagram at Locked On Dodgers. Jeff is on Twitter at Snydog. I'm at Vince Samperio. The DMs are open on those accounts. No game tomorrow. So if you have any questions, you can send them to any of those places or just send them to uh, at Locked On Dodgers. We'll find it. Uh, other ways to get a hold of us, email LockedOnDodgers at gmail.com or voicemail text 323-863-5625. We're here every weekday morning, and we hope you'll be with us. When you get in your car or if you're at home, tell your smart device play podcast, Locked on Dodgers. And remember, you don't have to agree. You just have to listen. Have a good one. We'll talk to you tomorrow.